This podcast is sponsored in part by Benjamin Hart. That's me! And yours truly, Zach Arnold. And by participation from listeners like you. So let's tune in to another episode of IPC. 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 The Intergalactic Peace Coalition Podcast. All the galaxies. All for you. Well, good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to the Intergalactic Peace Coalition podcast, also known as the IPC, and we are broadcasting live right here on channel 1138.com, and boy, oh boy, this is our second episode of 2021, and we got a fantastic one lined up for you guys tonight. Obviously, it's been a while since we've talked about the latest and greatest events going on in, you know, literally every universe because we cover everything. And so, you know, why not take a step back and uh, talk about the news? Specifically, a lot of Marvel Cinematic Universe news tonight. The MCU has officially returned with WandaVision, which we've actually seen some of WandaVision already, so we're going to talk about that a little bit later in the show, a little spoiler-free thoughts, and uh, then a lot of stuff happening. Captain America coming back, the MCU planned out for the next 10 years, what is going on? It's going to be a heck of a lot of fun before we get into that. Of course, introductions are in order. My name is Ben, and joining me, at least I hope he's joining me, at least I hope he's awake, it is my good friend and fellow co-host, Mr. Zach Arnold. Zach, wake up! I'm here. I'm here, but just barely. I'll tell you what. I had to go and work at a casino today for my work. That's always interesting. I went went from the Dallas area just north of the border to Oklahoma, where they've got a lot of those um, Native American reservations where they put casinos on the property. And I was up there servicing ATM machines, which, my goodness, those go through a lot of money. not going to tell you how much for my own safety, but, my goodness, they go through a lot of money. And uh, that was my day. I drove all the way up there. I worked on a whole mess of ATM machines up there and drove back. And I was in such a rush that I skipped lunch completely. And I started dragging on my way back into town, and I, like, chugged a Red Bull and put on a comedy show on Netflix in order to, like, power me home. And it worked out, and I uh, ended up going to, like, a a chicken place, had a really, really big lunch, like seven tenders and a side of fries and big old cup of gravy, big old drink. Like, it filled me up, dude, but it filled me up at, like, 5 o'clock. Oh. Like, I got done done with work early, got home, had, like, a late lunch, early dinner, ate a really, really big meal. And, like, no sooner did I finish that and and finish – uh, watching the first two episodes of, of WandaVision, then I went straight into uh, like one of the biggest food comas I've had in a while. <laughs> I was just out of it. I didn't plug my phone in. I didn't grab a blanket. I just like laid down on my couch and just <laughs> I was gone. And the only reason I got up was because um, <sighs> I was in a group chat 
that was making these jokes about replacing TV shows with the word dick. Oh, no. <laughs> and it was so bad because Mondo's in that group chat. And if you know Mondo, that is like his wheelhouse for jokes. And it was just... Bzz, bzz, now I'm disappointed that I wasn't in that group chat. Oh, man. I'll try and send you screenshots. It was amazing. But it was only that constant buzzing from the group chat that woke me up. Oh, my god! Like, like I was out. And then when I woke up, I thought it was already Saturday. <laughs> oh, that panic. I slept so hard that I thought I had slept clean into the next day. I thought I had missed the podcast entirely, and you were freaking out trying to figure out where I was. And then, to make matters worse, I'm supposed to go and have one of Mondo's world-famous steaks tomorrow for lunch. Oh, my gosh. And I was worried that I had slept through lunch of Saturday. So I had, like, this huge moment of just mind scramble where I'm like, Oh my god, I missed the show. Oh my god, I missed lunch. Oh my god, what day is it? And then I looked and I'd only been asleep for like two hours. <laughs> it was so oh bad. Oh my gosh. It was so bad. But I'm finally here. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to talk about WandaVision. That was a really, really interesting first couple episodes. And I'm just excited that we have news to talk about, you know? Like, the fact that 2020 had been so newsless, aside from movies getting pushed back and stuff like that, that we've actually got content to talk about now. You know, in the coming weeks, we're going to have Camp Cretaceous Season 2. We're going to be talking about Soul. We're going to be talking about Wonder Woman. We're going to be talking about the rest of WandaVision somewhere down the line when the show concludes. Like, we've got content to talk about. And there's news related to that content, and and it's just – it's very exciting. Yeah, absolutely. Like it's – you know, 2021 is already looking up a bit. You know, I don't want to – I don't want to say too much right now because – Don't jinx it. Knock on wood, player. We're only on. like, what, 15 days into this? You know, anything could go wrong at this point. A lot has gone wrong already. Um, just look at the news. But uh, – yeah, it's 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 we got some good stuff coming down the pipe. We got some good stuff today with One Division, and you watched the first two episodes. I managed to get in one, the first episode, right okay. before the show, and and um, I'll I'll throw it to you. You've seen more than I have. You know, obviously we're not going to get into spoilers too much. Um, we're going to save that for you know a few weeks down the line when we get more of the show, possibly towards the finale. Um, we'll do a full on episode discussing on this series but uh we're gonna get we got two episodes today and we'll get one i guess next week you've seen both of them what did you think overall overall i i think it's got a lot of potential especially considering some of like the behind the scenes sizzle reels and stuff that i've seen and like interviews that i've watched with feige like there is a lot more to this show than meets the eye this is kind of like the thing that's laying the foundation and as we've seen in the trailers and stuff, basically it's going to continue to evolve on an episode-by-episode episode basis. Right. So, like, this very first episode you've seen, this is, like, the base level. This is the foundation that it's laying, and then everything's going to be building on top of that. It did that a little bit in the second episode, maybe not as much as I hoped it would, 
But I think the thing that I find most interesting about these first two episodes, I don't know if it's true for all the episodes, but I know for a fact that at least these first two episodes, they were recorded in front of a studio audience. Yeah, yeah. And so it's got that old-timey 50s, 60s black-and-white sitcom feel all the way down to the organic laughter from some of the the funny moments that are happening in it. And it's a really interesting blend of sitcoms meeting superpowers. You know, it, it, it had like some Dick Van Dyke show type of vibes. It also had like maybe a little Andy Griffith thrown in there. It had some Leave it to Beaver type of vibe. Yeah, yeah. And at the same time, it also had some things with people with powers and using practical effects to make it look like they did things magically like they did with I Dream of Genie. Mm -hmm. And stuff like that. So you can tell that these guys really did their research and tried to make it as accurate and, and true to classic TV as they could, while also putting their own creative spin on it. And I think that's the thing that I'm looking forward to the most is like seeing some of the, the hearkenings to classic TV while also putting an MCU twist on it. This is going to be something unlike anything we've ever seen before. And they've got the cast to back it up. I mean, episode one, you throw in Catherine Hahn and Deborah Jo Rupp as supporting cast members. Yeah. That's a, that's a kick-ass episode, man. It is. like, and, and the way they all act in this is so just they are clearly having a lot of fun with it. Oh, yes. And also it's just perfect because, you know, we're both cut from the same cloth. We We both – you know, grew up on, you know, Dick Van Dyke, all these older TV shows, and I'm sure a lot of people in the audience have as well. And, you know, this is straight up like put the Dick Van Dyke show, which is the, the layout of the set and everything is basically the Dick Van Dyke show. It really is. Very the, little, the, if any, differences. Here's, here's the deal. The first episode is very reminiscent of the Dick Van Dyke show. The second episode, the sets change, and it reminds you of a different TV show. Oh, okay. I'm interested. I'm so, very interested. I'm so, probably going to watch that, that right after this. So that's what I mean by how it seems like it's going to evolve episode by episode. Because while the plot and the premise are the same, like they have the same relationship. They have like, – like Wanda and Vision have the same relationship. They have the same situation. They're in the same town. But the set for their house is different from one episode to the next. I, this is what I was expecting because, you know, obviously we've seen all the trailers and stuff like that in regards to, like, them kind of updating it and kind of every episode kind of pays homage to a different era of television or maybe perhaps a different television show in particular. You know, right. I, obviously, first episode is, like, straight-up Dick Van Dyke show with, like, you know, it's Bewitched kind of throwing in there with, you know, Wanda having powers and, oh, we're a weird couple. <laughs> we're trying to keep it a secret. And mm -hmm. then it's also... A little bit of I Dream of Genie in there because you've got Vision who's like, what's all this about? You know, he's like, you know, what are we doing here? Like, you know, he, yeah. he's kind of he's kind of innocent and kind of clueless in regards to stuff what's going on. Um, yep. I, I love that and I love that you just play it so straight for so long. Like the mm -hmm. first episode, like I said, I haven't seen the first second episode, but the first episode, I got chills watching the first bit of this because you get the classic Marvel Studios logo. It's a little bit updated. You get some some end game stuff in there, or whatever. It's really mm -hmm. cool. I got chilled because I'm like, oh, I haven't seen this in so long. It's been yep. freaking like forever since I've seen anything MCU. And then it fades in, and it in it the the aspect ratio collapses in on itself. 
Yep. And you go to that square boxy thing and it's like, wow, okay, they're committing to this completely. And it's it just amazes me how like what they're doing here is something that has never been done before in the MCU, obviously, but like it really feels like super fresh something that I didn't expect from the MCU and something that you know, I don't know if they could have pulled this off in a movie. I don't think well, they could have pulled this off no. in, like, a two-and-a-half-hour movie. It feels like no. they're fully taking advantage of the fact that this is a TV show, this bi-weekly thing, and it's fully taking you into it and saying, okay, this is a, you know, we're doing this episodically, and we're going to, you know, I guess they could just, you know, stitch it all together and it would work as a thing, but, like, it would take a whole lot out of it. I think it works so well, and I think it's having this first big, well, not the technically not the first but the first like big mcu like tv show is literally paying homage to tv shows and doing it in the in the style of tv shows as opposed to like oh it's just a movie chopped up into eight pieces well and and here's the other interesting thing is you were talking about trying to put it into a two and a half hour film or whatever the little adventures that they go on on an episode by episode basis reminds you of those classic sitcoms like it's those types of zany, wacky adventures where life is blown out of proportion and crazy things happen and they resolve themselves by the end of the episode. If you did that six, seven, eight times in a movie, it gets really redundant and people don't appreciate it as much. I think by doing it in an episodic format like this, people are going to really appreciate how things are building upon each other on a week-by-week basis and how the storytelling does combine into one big story and yet at the same time it it has like little individual stories thrown in there as well so it's like a big overarching story in addition to little individual stories i think this really avails itself well to a format like what disney plus is providing so yeah i i agree this is something that i feel like is setting itself up for success and can slash should only get better as the episodes progress yeah and i you know obviously the the first episode kind of opens it up and it's very kind of like you go and you go and you go and then you they start breaking the fourth wall and it's like oh okay something's going on here and you know you get you get the idea really quick that you know there's more to this than meets the eye i mean obviously we're seeing Wanda and Vision, Vision who was previously dead in a, you know, 1950s TV show. Something's not right here, but like, you know, it goes from like this, oh, it's nice and jokey, you kind of get into it, and then it like drops it on you like the that one scene that I won't spoil, but like it's, when it hits you, the camera angles change, and the actors start acting differently, and it's just like, it's, it goes from like happy-go-lucky, all oh, this is fun, to holy crap, this is unsettling. Yeah. Yeah. And then like the very, very end, right before the credits, you're also sitting there going, oh, interesting. That was that was something I didn't see coming, but it explains a little bit, but not everything. And yeah, that that that's the other interesting blend is that that kind of trend continues into episode two. There are some sequences, there's some events that happen in the second episode where you're like, this isn't quite the happy-go-lucky, leave-it-to-beaver style I was expecting. Like, th- there's some pretty serious, pretty interesting things happening here. I just wish I had more context. And so, 
that's the thing I'm looking forward to the most is getting more context as we get more episodes. From what I understand, the reviewers were shown the first three episodes, and a lot of them say that more context is given in the third episode. So Disney Plus and, and just Marvel in general played their cards right by giving us the first two episodes to give us an idea and give us a foundation but they also didn't give too much away. And so I really think this show is going to hit the ground running by episode three. At least that's what I'm hoping because there's only like eight or nine episodes in the season. So by the time we get to episode three, we're a third of the way through the show and we're going to, we're going to need to have some context so that it can keep building on itself. But the stuff that I've seen so far, I've, I've really enjoyed. Yeah. And, you know, just watching the first episode myself, it like, you know, I, it's, it was really charming to watch that first episode and just like getting, you know, get sucked into like what they were trying to do. But I can understand like second or third episode that would get old pretty quick. Like it's going to need to move along and I fully expect it to move along in regards to like showing us what exactly is happening here. And so, and I'm just, I'm just trying to figure out what this is. Like what, when the heck happened? Here's something to look forward to in episode two you get to see Paul Bettany act drunk. <laughs> oh, my Paul Bettany, man. The guy, like, is clearly, like, channeling Dick Van Dyke like nobody else. Oh, the, like, the best in everything. Yes, absolutely. Like, you know, the way he, like, you know, he just kind of swaggers around and he kind of glances at the camera and he winks. At, like, it's just perfect. And And same can be said for... Uh, Elizabeth Olsen for doing that. It's it's they're just they're great. They've got amazing chemistry, and I'm so glad that they get to continue that chemistry because that was one of my favorite things about uh, Infinity War, and even what was it? Were they were they kind of building on that in Civil War a little bit? I think. Yeah, so you kind of have that that big kind of one division arc starts in Age of Ultron, goes to Civil War, then Infinity War, and then it comes crashing down. So, yeah, trying to figure out where this exactly, when this exactly fits into everything. But, uh, like I said, I feel like more is going to be revealed the deeper into the show we get. It's not going to keep this classic sitcom feel all the way through. Like, things are going to get more intense. Things are going to have bigger stakes. It's going to it's gonna get bigger and, and grander as things go on. And, uh, yeah, this, this, is, this is just the beginning. Oh, yeah. Honestly, it's like just... literally it's the beginning well yeah yeah but it's like not just <laughs> literally but also metaphorically like some of the scale that i've seen in the sizzle reels and like the little clippets that they little snippet clippets that they show during interviews with people like feige like things are going to get much bigger and much more confusing and we're gonna have to keep up and that's the part i'm looking forward to yeah, I, I definitely think uh, we might have to check in every once in a while in the coming weeks, see what we're feeling, and then I'm really looking forward to breaking down the whole season once we get it um, later on in a month or so. Um, and yeah, so you guys look forward to that. And uh, But that's not all for the MCU. Not only do we get WandaVision this week, we got some really interesting news. Some news that had people let's just say scratching their head going, what, what does this mean? Uh, yeah. Because this is a, a thing that came out from deadline. 
No, this is not your average site. This is not We Got This Covered. Oh, gosh. Deadline is a pretty legitimate source. Not even pretty. They are a legitimate source. They've broken a lot of good stuff. They don't just post stuff for the heck of it. When they post stuff, usually it comes true. And this is something that they are saying that, quote, Chris Evans is coming back as Captain America, apparently. So this is what they say. In a move that is sure to rock the Marvel Cinematic Universe, sources tell Deadline that Chris Evans is cleaning the dust off his Captain America attire as he is expected to reprise the role in the MCU in some form. It's still vague whether the deal is closed, but insiders say it's headed in that direction for Evans to return as Steve Rogers, a.k.a. Captain America, in at least one Marvel property with the door open for a second film. Sources add it's unlikely to be a new Captain America installment and more likely to be what Robert Downey Jr. did after Iron Man 3, appearing in such films as Captain America Civil War and Spider-Man Homecoming, end quote. So, deadline, as I'm saying, saying Chris Evans not done, even though we had the big whoop-de-doo about Captain America being done, and he's old now, and Chris Evans is done, he's not. Um, and Chris Evans himself he, responded. He made, he, made, he made a statement that was just three words. <laughs> News, News to me. To me. <laughs> <laughs> and with a little, you know, shrug emoji. Oh, so, and it's not unprecedented for an actor to deny something that is true. <laughs> because just recently we had Tatiana Maslany be rumored as She-Hulk. And then she came out and says, no, no, I'm not She-Hulk, blah, 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 blah. And then it turns out she is She-Hulk. So it's, you know, it may not be totally in, in the books yet. And it may not be as far along as they're saying, but I don't know. What do we think about this? Are, am I speaking for both of us? Well, I mean, I'll, 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 I'll speak in a minute. You can go first. <laughs> um, if they're going to do this, they really need to do it right because he had such a fitting farewell in Endgame that bringing him back could potentially feel like a money grab. And knowing Marvel, I feel like they will they will do better than that if that is the direction they decide to go. There are some people online that are wanting it to be in conjunction with like this whole multiverse thing where we maybe get like an evil Captain America. And and Evans reprises his role as a Captain America from a different universe, maybe one that works for Hydra, like in the comics. Yeah, that's and true. that that would be something I'd be interested to see. I think that would give him like Evans a little bit more range to his character where he gets to play somebody a little more sketchy. We saw him play a shady character in Knives Out to play a shady Captain America would be a really cool way to explore his range while also staying true to like what we know him to be which is captain america so i think that's the direction i would like to see them go if they do this but if they're just bringing him back to to take him on another adventure and and get more money by pitching it as chris evans returning as captain america i'm I'm not as thrilled about that if they're going to bring him back it needs to be for a damn good reason and it needs to give more depth to his character than what we've already got we've got to build on what's already been built and if we're not doing that, then I don't see the point. Yeah, at face value, I'm not a fan of this idea just because of the ending that we got with, with Endgame right. and just the whole promise of like, hey, you had Iron Man and Captain America and all these guys for a time. And yes, while some of them, like Thor, might be going into the new phase, like for the most part, it's going to be about new characters. It's going to be about you know bringing 
taking you know Spider-Man and all these guys that kind of been in the background, giving them the spotlight. <clears throat> so that's my whole deal. It's like I, I don't – as much as I love Captain America, he's genuinely one of my favorite characters in fiction. I, I don't really want to see him right now. I, I, I want to – I want to be surprised, you know, in a few years when he shows back up because it's inevitable. He'll come back. You're going to have Robert Denny Jr. reprise Iron Man at some point. It'll happen, but not right now. Make us, you know, want that. Make us feel the loss of that character and move forward with new characters. And I don't like the idea, even if he's evil. Now, I actually like that idea. That's something that I, I kind of independently, where there's a lot of independent thought in here because I didn't heard that. But I was thinking earlier, like, what if they did the Hydra Captain America? What if it's, you know, something along those lines? What if, what if Sam Wilson, the new Captain America, has to fight the old Captain America, but he's Hydra, but right. he's the, you know, taken over by Hydra? What if, you know, obviously Hydra is a big thing in there. They've pretty much established that it's hard to kill Hydra, so like them coming back wouldn't be that uh, that unbelievable. And even so, we're dealing with multiverse stuff. It doesn't have to be they come back. Maybe just, you know, Wanda and Strange and all those guys, they uh, multiverse of madness screw up stuff and uh, we get Captain America back or maybe just a cameo or whatever. But there's some interesting things to do there, but I still think it's – I feel like it's too early. I feel like you, you don't need to be doing that right now. Yes, in the near future, that'd be great to have you know, Chris Evans come back. Reprise that character, even either as the sincere Captain America or some evil version of him. But you know, I feel like it's too early. Um, but you know, if it's just a cameo, it, it literally could be anything. They're saying it's not going to be a major role. It could be as small as his cameo in Spider-Man: Homecoming. You know, the so you, you know, so you, so you're in detention or whatever. You know, like it's, it's on a video or whatever. I even did that. Oh, yeah, like, man. and he's in like he's in Thor: of The Dark World. Like Loki, like masquerades at him for a second. Like it could be something like that. But still, still, I'm like, hold back. Don't, don't do that. Don't succumb to that. Even if maybe, maybe Chris Evans is just, maybe retirement isn't sitting well with him. Maybe he's like, ah, I really didn't want to stop. <laughs> I really well, just want to keep going. Here, here's the other thing that I'm concerned about. I am concerned that maybe. Evans is being typecast and he's having a hard time getting work. It's possible. Maybe, maybe he has been pinned as Captain America and even his work on Knives Out didn't convince people that he had range and could do other things. Because I haven't heard of him getting cast in anything else since. Have you? He's done a few different things, but like he's not—he's not getting cast in Star Wars or any other big franchises. Well, right I, I wasn't—I wasn't expecting him to, but I mean, really, the only things that he's done outside of the MCU is like Snowpiercer back in 2013 and Knives Out. Like those are the only things that I really know him for outside of the MCU. And that kind of sucks because he he's he's a he's a good he's a good actor. I do. I did forget he's voicing Buzz in the Lightyear movie. You are correct. You are doing that. But that's not coming out till next year. And it's an animated flick. So he really doesn't have to do a whole lot. But I mean, I'm, I'm looking 
I'm looking at his at his cast list, and some of the stuff is stuff that I've never even heard of, like like gifted or playing it cool or uh, before we go. Snowpiercer is the only one that I've heard of. Um, <laughs> he was in a, a five minute video in 2012 called the Carlton Dance. <laughs> oh my gosh. He was in Scott Pilgrim versus the world, which I didn't know. That's interesting. Yeah, way back in the day. Back in uh oh uh twenty ten. So like right before right before he showed up on the scene as as uh Steve Rogers in twenty eleven, he was in Scott Pilgrim versus the world in twenty ten. And don't for don't forget Fantastic Four and Fantastic Four Rise of the Silver Surfer. How could we forget that? Johnny Storm. Oh, They're OG Johnny Storm. Holy, how long ago was that? Was that like 2004 or something like that? Well, okay, let me float this idea for you. What if, what if... No. Deadline, what if Deadline got their wires crossed and he's not coming back as Cap? They're going to go to a universe, they're going to go to the Fantastic Four universe, and it's going to be an older Johnny Storm. How about that? Didn't they say they were reviving the Fantastic Four franchise? I mean, Fantastic Four is coming into the MCU. They officially announced that. The Fantastic Four is coming into the MCU, and you've got the multiverse effect showing up in WandaVision, Doctor Strange, and Spider-Man 3. It's entirely possible you could see Chris Evans as Johnny Storm. If that would be the biggest, like, <laughs> missed opportunity if they didn't do that. They've like, got- And we're, we're talking about spider They're basically doing Spider-Verse in live action, More getting all that. the original actors back. Why not throw in a Johnny Storm? If you've got chris evans and you've you've already paid him a crap ton of money and like he knows that he'll get paid a crap ton of money in this why not pay him a crap ton of money to be johnny storm and reprise a role from almost 15 16 years ago (laughs) like what if like that would be the biggest like misdirect of all time they like say oh yeah we're Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, starring Chris Evans. Like, ah, Captain America's going to be back. No. No. (laughs) It's Johnny Storm. Flame on! Oh, my gosh. But that's just a number of possibilities there. Um, We don't know. Maybe they'll get Michael Chiklis and all those guys. And Jessica Alba will get a a fantastic four reunion. (laughs) To get people like Jessica Alba and... And and Chickless and and Gruffled back like just just straight up bring everybody back just have the whole four. They're getting deep. everybody from the Raimi trilogy back, so why not? That's a deep cut, though. This movie's only five point seven out of ten stars on IMDb. <laughs> Which one is that? Uh, the first Fantastic Four. Oh, I don't even think it deserves that much. <laughs> okay, while we're on the subject of stars, though, I want to tell you about a cast list that I read about on Discussing Film earlier today. Oh, my gosh. Listen listen to this cast list. Robert De Niro. Mike Myers. Timothy Oliphant. Oh. Michael Shannon. Oh. Chris Rock. Anya Taylor-Joy. Gosh. Margot Robbie. John David Washington, Damn. Christian Bale, Rami Malek, and Zoe Saldana. Damn. Can you believe that? 
Which movie is this? It doesn't have a title yet. Oh. <laughs> all, you get all, a cast like that, you don't give it a title? All we know is that all of these people have been cast in a David O. Russell untitled film. Oh, my gosh. Now, I've heard some people complaining about David O. Russell because he's under a lot of scrutiny right now for some uh some some uh rather stuff. less rather less than scrupulous stuff that he's participated in but um he was the director for American Hustle and Silver Linings Playbook which I thought was a really underrated movie and uh this film called Joy it's got Jennifer Lawrence Bradley Cooper and Robert De Niro in it. Yeah, yeah, I've heard of it. I, I didn't get around to seeing it, but apparently Lawrence and Cooper are two people that he really loves to have in a movie together because they were in Silver Linings Playbook as well. But, uh, yeah, he's he's got this currently untitled project with the plot details being kept under wraps, but it's got just an outrageously amazing cast attached to it so far. That sounds amazing. I want to see it. I don't even know what it is. Right? Like, I thought that would be one of the perfect setups for a game of one, two, three, where you're like, yeah, we're going to have all these people in it. <laughs> yeah, right. I call We don't them. have a score for it because it hasn't come out yet. We don't we don't have a we don't have an IMDb score because we don't even know the name of this movie yet. But that's something that is in the works. And I, I can't help but wonder if that is going to be a new trend amongst movies for the next couple of years where you have to get an all-star cast assembled just for people to feel like it's worth risking going to the movies to go watch it. Oh my gosh. Yeah. There you go. Like, like just having Tom Cruise in a movie may not be enough anymore. <laughs> just having Ben Affleck in a movie may not be enough anymore. Just having, you know, X, Y, Z, having two famous actors in it may not be enough anymore. They're literally throwing together people that have starred in several different movies and TV series over the last decade and just throwing them all into one giant movie. Like the last time I saw a cast like this, it was Knives Out. Yeah, yeah, that was a rarity, it felt like. So I'm intrigued to see what happens there, but... Uh, the other thing that I'm really intrigued for is this uh, casting announcement that we've gotten for Moon Knight. Yeah. I don't know much about the Moon Knight. I really don't. I've tried to do some research before, and it, it like just the the general direction, the general story doesn't really make a whole lot of sense to me. So I'm hoping maybe this will provide some clarity now that I'll be seeing it on screen. And the two leading cast members we're going to be seeing on screen, apparently, Oscar Isaac has already been tapped for the leading role. And it was also recently announced that Ethan Hawke was going to be also cast in it, most likely as the main villain. And the main villain from the comics, according to Hollywood Reporter, was a character named Bushman, a fellow oh. mercenary who turned on the hero when Egyptian gold came into the picture, end quote. I don't really know about Egyptian lore or Egyptian gold or really much of anything from what this is supposed to be, but obviously we know Oscar Isaac's work, and Hawk's work includes things like Training Day, Boyhood, Before Sunrise, 
Sinister, and The Purge. So he's got a pretty wide range attached to him. And to tap him for this role sounds pretty exciting. Yeah, I I am also in the camp of uh, people that know nothing about Moon Knight because he's a character that, I mean, I, I've heard a lot about. Like, I've listened to, you know, comic book podcasts like that. You know, I've heard the name Moon Knight a lot, but I still don't have a good grasp of, like, what the character's about. Something about Egyptian stuff. He has special powers. He's something to do with the moon, and so he's probably a knight, I guess. I don't know. But it's funny how, like, I want to do the research, but at the same time, I kind of just want to wait and watch the show and let it fall and fall because I like going in just kind of not knowing what's going on and kind of letting it happen. So, you know, Oscar Isaac, obviously, speak for yourself. That sounds amazing. And Ethan Hawke, I think, would be great. Having those two together is going to be really interesting. And just the fact that this is in the MCU and, you know, another TV show, I think it's, it's going to be, yeah, this sounds really awesome. It sounds awesome. It sounds like there's a lot of potential to introduce people to something that maybe not a lot of people know of. Like the last time they, they took a gamble on something like this, we ended up with guardians of the galaxy, you yeah, know, exactly. And I, and I'm not saying moon Knight is going to be guardians of the galaxy, but I think it's got that, rather unknown potential with the creative freedom to be able to do really whatever you want and people might be okay with it. So um, I was, I was in it already for the simple fact that I am a Disney plus subscriber. So I'll take advantage of that. And also for the fact that it's Oscar Isaac. So I'm going to take advantage of that. And now you throw somebody from the purge into the mix, like Ethan Hawke. Um, I don't know about you, but the, 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 the purge, rather intrigues me sometimes and to pull an alum from a, a very thought-provoking yet spooky series franchise like that i think that might throw some depth into what this show is going to be about and, and how he approaches the villain character so i think there's a lot of potential here yeah um i'm just i just went to the marvel wiki uh-huh. and I go to Moon Knight, a.k.a. Mark Spector, was a Jewish-American former U.S. Marine turned CIA agent. After leaving both organizations in disgrace, he became a soldier of fortune. He was left for dead in the desert on a mercenary mission in Egypt where he, an idol of the Egyptian moon god, Kenoshu, saved him and gave him his moon-based powers. Moon-based powers. So I don't still don't know what that means. I'm still confused. So, but so I'm a, intrigued as hell. Okay, the, the only the only moon based powers I'm aware of are like the ability to control the tides when yeah. you've got a moon. Can you and, just can you just like at will just make the tide go up and down? Like, okay, you need to watch more of Avatar: The Last Airbender. There <laughs> are people who have the ability to bend and form and shape water any way they want, and their powers peak under the light of the full moon. Waterbenders. Waterbenders. He could be a waterbender. Or he could just be a werewolf. I don't know. Well, the MCU is about to get weird because we got Blade coming in. He's a he's a vampire. Got this moon guy coming in. Um, we got, you know, a TV show within a TV show. It's it's getting weird, and I'm all for it. I I am I'm, I'm probably not as all for it as you are. I'm excited, I'm intrigued, but I'm also nervous. 
like there's just this natural apprehension that makes me think are we doing too much too soon if if you are something could potentially end up suffering for it and i don't want it to be oscar isaac i don't want it to be marshall lee i don't want it to be wandavision you know i don't want those things to be the ones that suffer because you're doing too much too quickly but i guess only time will tell for that right right and you know all this to say that uh a lot's going on in the mcu even going back to stuff that has happened already and so we've got all these new tv shows coming on disney plus but the still the question remains what about all those netflix shows what about daredevil and iron fist and jessica jones What's going to happen with them? Are they canon? Are they in the MCU? What's happening with them? Well, John, not want to say John Favreau, <laughs> no, hey. the other guy, the other guy, hey. Kevin Feige was asked by the Hollywood Reporter pretty much straight up, you know, what's what's going on with that? What's you know, what's going to happen with the Netflix series? And he said, and I quote, everything is on the board that's one of the fun things about the comics is that characters would appear and disappear and come and go all of its inspiration for the future there's some great characters and actors from the shows i have no idea what that means i feel like that could be interpreted a lot of different ways it means he doesn't want to give away spoilers but they're coming back I, i i just i don't know i feel like kevin feige is a smart guy He's good at his job. Even Ben Affleck was recently like, that guy's an effing genius. I'm like, okay, Ben Affleck, we can finally agree on something. Um, (laughs) So, like, you know, I like I trust Feige enough to say that he's not just going to go, oh, yeah, let's just recast all these guys. Let's just get a new daredevil. No, Charlie Cox is the guy. He's the perfect daredevil. And hell, he might even be in the movies because apparently you just put this in the notes. I hadn't seen this. Apparently, Charlie Cox has been spotted on the set of Spider-Man 3 because everybody else in this this movie. So why not Charlie Cox? Right. Right. Yeah. Sources have talked to comicbook.com saying that he's been on set for the upcoming Spider-Man 3 says he's expected to be playing Matt Murdock in the film, but it's unclear whether or not he'll be portraying the same one from the Netflix series, or if he's going to be treated to a fresh start and reboot the character set in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Now, I but think with... Charlie Cox is coming on board to play the Human Torch. John, Johnny Storm. Oh, man, that's just going to be the trend for the whole episode. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah, uh, Ethan Hawke's been cast in Moon Knight. He'll be playing Johnny Storm. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but this this furthers a report that was originally made by uh, Murphy's Multiverse in early December, but Sony declined to comment. Uh, da, 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 da. Kevin Feige would only tease the future based on a known movie title. He says the biggest clue is the title of the second Doctor Strange movie, he says. That's the biggest clue of where the Multiverse of Madness is taking us and how we're exploring that. It's surreal to me that we're talking about a Spider-Man 3. I worked on a movie called Spider-Man 3 many years ago, directed by Sam Raimi. So this clearly, the shorthand of calling it Spider-Man 3 now, it's fine. We call it Homecoming 3. Okay. So he's kind of teasing that the whole concept of the multiverse 
is definitely going to be mad. So it wouldn't surprise me to see Johnny Storm, and it definitely wouldn't surprise me to see Daredevil show up in this film. There have also been reports floating around that Kristen Ritter is going to be attached to uh, Tatiana Maslazzi's She-Hulk franchise. Yeah. I don't really really recall how the two of them are connected to one another, but apparently they are in the comics. So if there's going to be a return of Jessica Jones in some capacity, it seems likely it'll end up happening in the She-Hulk franchise and then possibly finding a way to revive uh, Jessica Jones in some capacity. Here's the other problem is shows like Daredevil and Jessica Jones with the TVMA rating that they've got. I don't see those shows getting revived on Disney plus. If anything, if they do come back, it'll have to be on Hulu. Yeah. I think that's a possibility. I don't know how the rights stand in regards to Netflix because like clearly they made that stuff. You know, they're, they're about like, to expire. I, the, the The contracts on it are, are like set to expire this year, I believe. That's why there's all this talk about it happening. Okay, so but I wonder, like the existing episodes, like the th- first three seasons of Daredevil, like will that stay uh, on Netflix forever? Will they eventually be able to move that off? Like that's a big thing. I think, even so, like I don't think they really have a reason to like reset everything or pretend none of that stuff is canon because they can just start over. And just continue on and just say, hey, we're just going to reintroduce these characters. And, like, look, Jessica Jones is a PI. You know, Daredevil's a, a, a lawyer. Like, you've got, you know, uh, what She-Hulk is a, also a lawyer. You've got Spider-Man who needs a lawyer. This stuff writes itself, guys. Like, yeah. it, it, you can totally make this work, and you don't have to, like— Hint, hint, nudge, nudge. You don't need Foggy and Karen, all these guys. Not yet, anyway. I would still love to have them back. But, like, just bringing these characters in and go, okay, they still exist. They're still there. Maybe that stuff that happened, all bullseye, whatever, maybe it happened, maybe it didn't. But ultimately, I just want these characters. I want Charlie Cox playing freaking Daredevil because he's the guy. John Bernthal is the Punisher. Absolutely, John Bernthal. How amazing would that be to have John Bernthal? And I mean, I mean, could this could this lead to you know they're already opening the door? We have Deadpool three. We didn't put it in the notes, but Deadpool three is confirmed yep. with a rated R thing. It's going to be in the MCU. That's confirmed yep. right now. Yep. So Disney is opening the door for more mature content, even in the MCU. Because so like, oh, it makes money, dude. This is a business. They've looked at the business model of the Deadpool franchise, and it has earned bukus of cash both times. Why would you turn away free money? And why I think it also comes to the integrity of the story. The integrity these people know about how much fans care about you know getting the stuff right. In regards to you know, Marvel is very unique in a way that it's taking directly from the comics and stuff like that. But also, you know, you're taking stuff that's already been on screen before, and people know it a certain way, and you can't change it up. You can't change Daredevil. I mean, you can't change Deadpool. Like that, people love that character. People love those first two movies. You would be stupid to change it up. And they know for 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 the better. That regardless if Disney wants to make a rated R movie, that this is the right way to go. This is the way that people want it. 
and you'd piss people off if you did it another way. So I think the same thing is saying, like, Daredevil, immensely popular. One of the biggest shows on Netflix. Like, come on. Like, you know, and I know, Iron Fist, all those guys, not as popular. But still, you know, I'm game to have them back, too. I'm game to get them all back and, you know, hopefully, you know, make make them even better and integrate them into the MCU more so than ever because, let's face it, they never really felt part of the MCU to begin with. Like, it was always like, you know, the Battle of New York was the incident. They never wanted to call it the Battle of New York or anything like that. Right. You know, they always mentioned Thor, Iron Man, or whatever. It was definitely off in its own universe from the beginning. Now they actually can integrate it properly. Yeah. Yeah. I, I want to see that happen. The problem is they're also really, really looking forward to moving forward with some new characters and some existing characters like what you get with She-Hulk and Loki and Moon Knight and, you know, we're going to get the Eternals movie and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. Like, the MCU is so vast and so comprehensive that I worry that that is where they're going to want to invest their resources rather than circling back to stuff that's already been done. I feel like the only way we're going to get people like Daredevil and Jessica Jones and the Punisher back is in other shows that are already in development. That's why I feel the most hopeful about Charlie Cox being in Spider-Man three and Christian Ritter appearing in She-Hulk. Like I don't see them necessarily getting their own shows back anytime in the next four or five years, but I do see them making cameos to remind us that they are here and they are now part of this universe and that maybe somewhere down the line, they will end up getting their own series back. Yeah. And that's like, that's the one thing like there, there's a lot of characters like look at black widow. She still hasn't gotten a a, a solo movie yet. Like technically speaking, but she's a huge character and she's lived through all the different films through cameos like that. And even Hulk, like their Hulk is still kind of, held up by, I think, Paramount. Like, they can't really make any movies, but, like, they've created a pretty interesting arc for him. And he's coming back in the She-Hulk thing. And, you know, there's so many opportunities to kind of, like, keep these characters alive. And, you know, it's you know it can be small things like, you know, J.K. <laughs> Simmons in, you know, Spider-Man Far From Home. Like, just that little thing of, like, hey, we're acknowledging this stuff exists. We acknowledge that you guys love this and we're going to keep doing it. Um, you know, it speaks volumes. I think the people at Marvel Studios really care about this stuff. They really care about, you know, making this right and doing it right. And, you know, I, I have nothing but faith. I, you know, as much as I'm like, wow, okay, they're putting a lot of people in this Spider-Man 3 movie, it still sounds awesome. Uh, it really does. I just, I guess it's cautiously not, optimistic. It's not like Marvel's ever let me down before. It's just that there's so much out there. The potential is higher because of the, the 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 increase in the output. Does that make sense? Oh yeah. There's there's you know the more stuff you put out, the more stuff you do, the better the chances are that you might screw up. You know, and and the MCU doesn't have a spotless track record. I mean, look at uh, <laughs> or the Dark World. Look at not even that. Like, I don't even like that movie's fine. Like, it's not even that bad. I'm thinking more about, you know, the what was the uh, the Inhumans? 
Like that travesty. That happened. That happened. It was almost a movie. Then it was a really bad TV show. I thought they canned it before it started. No, no, it it went its full like first season. They did the whole. Wow, I didn't even know that. And they've swept it under the rug, which is why you never hear about it. Exactly. Like I thought it was dead on arrival. I thought it was done before it even started. I mean, it basically was, but they they kept going with it. They tried. Oh man, an attempt was made. Oh man, but, yeah, uh, yeah. We should watch that and talk about it on the show one day. That's a that's a drinking game show. That's an RIPC subject. Hey, I'm down for that. We need to bring back RIPC. We haven't done one of those in a while. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, well, and, and speaking of what's coming down the pipe, yeah, that, that's the thing I was just getting to. Is is the other concern I've got is like with all of the announcements that have been made, it's also been confirmed that basically everything from now until 2030 has been planned for the MCU. So unless Jessica Jones and Daredevil and the Punisher are a part of that plan, like in 2028 or something like that, it seems like we may not get series around these characters for a while. Because Feige said in an interview that, you know, things are being planned out at least five to six years ahead of time. He says to varying degrees of specificity, it's always about five to six years out versus what we've announced. So whatever that takes us to, they've already planned out like the next three years, haven't they? And then yeah. you put five or six more years on top of that. They've basically planned everything through at least 2028 slash 2029. Most of this decade they have planned out, it seems. And, you know, it just makes sense. I I take that as a, a giant positive because they you know they're not going to be rushing into things. They can kind of plan this stuff out and see things and obviously – you know, one thing that nobody's talking about, something that I really want is is is, is Avengers Five. <laughs> like, when's that movie coming? Like, but they're not talking about it because you know, letting it sit for a while. But eventually, that's going to happen, probably before the end of the decade, I would assume. But they got all this other stuff happening, and you know, it, all of these TV shows, and and you know, if things hadn't happened like they happened last year, you know, we would probably be looking at. You know, multiple TV shows and multiple films coming out simultaneously, which is I think basically what we're getting next this year, if everything works out, because they're they're planning on Black Widow and I think Eternals. And we've got WandaVision and Falcon and the Winter Soldier and maybe something else coming. Um, so a lot's happening, but like a lot's going to be happening pretty quick and it's gonna move pretty fast, and they've got the plan. They they know exactly where they're going with this. And, you know, that's the strength of Marvel is that they really look ahead. They really just like, OK, where is this going to be in five years? Yeah, that that is comforting to know that they've got people that are looking at the long term and the short term. I guess their budget's definitely big enough that they can pay people to be thinking about stuff that's eight or nine years away from now. They uh, can literally pay someone to just think and say, you think about that. You just sit there and you think about it. And that's the way they, it works. Do they do? Are they hiring? Can they hire like overthinkers, people that really stress about stuff? That's Mr. Paid? Feige. I can think about Marvel too. Well, it's not just that. I'm a natural overthinker. Like, 
I, I think about things and then I think about the repercussions of thinking about those things. And then I think about how much anxiety I'm going to get down the line from thinking about thinking about something like this is something that I do on the regular anyways. You could just pay me to do it and then I'll feel less anxious about overthinking about stuff because I'm getting paid to do it. Like right now I'm just doing it for myself for free and it sucks. <laughs> I feel you. Oh man. I need to go to the restroom. So let's take a break. <laughs> well, you just revealed our secret plan. You just uh, revealed why we have breaks in the middle of the show. I just gave it away. After six and a half years of podcasting, you finally figured out that we do it because we got to go to the bathroom. <laughs> all right. Potty breaks coming up. We're going to say hello to some of our uh, patrons and our friends and all of that good stuff. And uh, we'll be back with some non-MCU-related stuff on the second half of this newsreel session of the IPC podcast. Don't go away. We'll be right back. This is IPC. This is Obi-Wan Kenobi, and I have drifted into the underworld. The Star Wars underworld. I have a bad feeling about this. Hey, y'all. This is Ben Hart here. I know y'all just heard me on the IPC talking all things geeky and fun. Now I'm here to tell y'all about my other podcast. It's called The Star Wars Underworld, about all things Star Wars. We talk Star Wars The Clone Wars, Star Wars The Force Awakens, Star Wars Last Jedi, Rogue One, A Star Wars Story, and so much more. I record it with my friends Chris and Dominic, who are here to tell y'all all about it. Hello, Chris. Hello, Ben. I'm so excited to talk about Star Wars this week. It's fun. It's funny. We're going to have a great time. Hey, guys, I am so nostalgic for mall packaging, and I love being on the Star Wars Underworld podcast talking all the latest Star Wars news. Well, now that y'all had a little taste of the show and you know what to expect, you should check out more episodes by going to StarWarsUnderworld.com or by searching for the show on the iTunes, the Apple Podcast, the Google Play, and all sorts of things. And may the Force be with y'all. It's a wrap, eh? We are back continuing our newsreel episode of the Intergalactic Peace Coalition podcast, our 314th episode. And it only feels like 
maybe like a hundred to me, honestly, dude. Like three fourteen is still a mind-boggling number, considering all the stuff that we've talked about, but also how quickly it seems like all that time has passed. Yeah, a lot's happened. It, we're going into a new year. We got a whole another bunch of stuff to do <laughs> in the next twelve months, dude. This May is going to be seven years of IPC. That's insane. Evan! Seven years of IPC. Seven. Seven, 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 seven. That's going to be the quote of the night that, that for that celebration. Oh, man. Oh, I wish, I wish there were a few other people that got that context. That's one of my favorite scenes in one of my favorite shows of all time. <laughs> really quickly, we want to say hello to all of our uh, friends and patrons and people that help contribute to the show. People like uh, Dan Grievous and uh, Rachel Perry, people like Carrie Fleming. Uh, who else have we got that's part of our of our patron system? But we... Uh, we got some really cool people that help do what we do here. Did we not put that in the show notes? We didn't. I'm having to go back. What and... the actual hell did I do? From our previous episode, except our previous episode was uh, a top five. So I'm scrolling through a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, Ryan H1152. That's who I forgot. I'm sorry. Joey, Ryan, Rachel. Dan and Carrie, you guys are the ones that really help keep us going. If you're interested in becoming a patron, we're working on setting up a Patreon. We should have it up by February and uh, we'll have some new tiers and some new uh, really cool exclusives that you can be privy to and so much more. But those are the people that help us pay the bills and keep the lights on. And we appreciate the heck out of them. And if you appreciate this show, Please start considering today whether you want to financially contribute or not, because we will be shutting down the Podbean function and going exclusively to Patreon uh, sometime early this year, hopefully by next month. Yep. Alrighty, back to more news. We kind of got the MCU stuff done off of the top, but there's some gaming news on the tail end of things. And this announcement of the Lord of the Rings amazon series it's been talked about for over a year now that amazon prime has gotten the rights to do stuff from the lord of the rings franchise but very little has been talked about very little has been revealed and uh the one ring.net actually got a series description from them and it actually sounds really really interesting I'm going to read it off here. It's it's a good paragraph. It looks like something straight out of what somebody like Stephen Schinder would send to us for a top <laughs> five episode. So I got to take a deep breath for this one. Well, he suggested this little topic. It so makes uh... sense. It almost feels like Stephen's the one who wrote it. <laughs> uh, it says, Amazon Studios' forthcoming series brings to screens for the very first time the heroic legends of the fabled Second Age of Middle-Earth's history. This epic drama is set thousands of years before the events of J.R.R. Tolkien's The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings, and will take viewers back to an era in which great powers were forged. Kingdoms rose to glory and fell to ruin. Unlikely heroes were tested. Hope hung by the finest of threads, and the greatest villain that ever flowed from Tolkien's pen threatened to cover all the world in darkness. 
beginning in a time of relative peace. The series follows an ensemble cast of characters, both familiar and new, as they confront the long-feared reemergence of evil to Middle-earth. From the darkest depths of the Misty Mountains, to the majestic forests of the elf capital of Lindon, to the breathtaking island kingdom of Numenor, to the furthest reaches of the map, these kingdoms and characters will carve out legacies that live on long after they are gone. Very well done, sir. I kind of channeled my little inner narrator there for a second there. Maybe if you're able to throw in some dramatic music in post-op or something, I don't know, but... I'll think about it. Okay. Yeah. That requires something. Who knows? <laughs> but it all sounds really interesting because the the opening narration to The Fellowship of the Ring kind of talks about the tail end of the Second Age. Uh, that is how everybody kind of assembled together to to fight and and preserve peace in in middle earth by everybody going up against the dark lord like everybody goes against sauron in this and i feel like this is going to be like the backstory kind of in the in the middle slash you know final third of the second age where you're building some of these characters and you're exploring some of the history and the lore. And then, you know, by the end of the first season into the second season, you're recognizing that there is a darkness rising and we have to do something about it. You're trying to bring people together that usually hadn't been together. Um, there are a couple of directors and producers from the game of Thrones franchise that are now working on this series. So, you know, things of epic scale and epic proportion and well-written and uh, things that are um, part of medieval uh, folklore and history, things that have that type of centuries ago yet also somewhat modern vibe are all things that are going to be components in this franchise. And talking about places like the Island Kingdom of Numenor, the Misty Mountains we know from the Hobbit franchise... Like, there are going to be some familiar sights and sounds. Hopefully the music is similar. Um, we may end up seeing um, Lord Elrond show up, like a like a CGI, youngified version of Lord Elrond, possibly yeah. showing up because he says that he was there when everybody fought against Sauron at the end of the Second Age, so... You know, there's going to be some familiarity to it, but I really think that it's going to be the land and the lore that's familiar as we get this brand new ensemble cast in this series. It sounds exciting. Yeah, I think that's the one thing, not the one thing, but one of the biggest things about Lord of the Rings is that it's so dense. It's so just, you know, the lore and the world building is unmatched. And if they can take advantage of that, if they can go into this and really just embrace that and build upon it, obviously this is going to be, I'm guessing, one of the first like old big Lord of the Rings things is not based on something from Tolkien, but definitely drawing on the same kind of source material and drawing on the same inspirations. I think this could be really interesting, kind of giving some more backstory. And I'm curious about what story they want to tell here. You know, obviously there's a lot of history there is you know in true like expert storytelling fashion <clears throat> like tolkien sets up 
those original films as you know there's a lot of history there there's a lot of stuff that's happened yep. what's going on in those three films is the product of stuff that happened thousands of years before people that did stuff and you know didn't do certain things and didn't get rid of the ring when they should have and held on to it and all this kind of stuff you know it's all this push back and forth and Sauron is not this new enemy. He's been around for a long time, but he's reemerges in this whole idea of, you know, things coming back and, you know, we're probably going to see a lot of the backstory and kind of fill in the blanks. And I think this is ripe for some really good stories, some really interesting things to happen so that maybe we can, you know, understand those new films, those older films better. I really think this has the potential to be like a maybe a, a Rogue One type of situation where the things that are precursors to the classic original stuff we've seen could potentially directly tie into it. You know, Rogue One finishes with the Tanded Four flying away and then A New Hope opens with it coming out of hyperspace. I really feel like there's the potential for this second age. Excuse me. I drank some soda and now I'm just burping like crazy. <laughs> I know that feeling. I'm trying to conceal it, but then I'm like, oh my gosh, if I keep talking, it's just going to uh, like, it's going to come out. Um, but I, I feel like there's the potential for a, a similar situation to Rogue One where this end of the second age could be built up to from this Amazon series. I know that it's, it's, it's set um, during the fabled second age and is set thousands of years before the events, but there's always the potential for time jumps. There's always the potential for things to have other tie-ins as well. I think we're going to start out a long, long time ago, but this fight to preserve um the, the, this fight to preserve peace, this this fight against a a a deadly force, the greatest villain that ever flowed from Tolkien's pen, that's obviously Sauron. And so I really think that what's going to end up happening here is maybe the series ends with everybody fighting Sauron the way it gets described in the prelude in The Fellowship of the Ring. Yeah. Yeah, I could totally I think you're kind of on the money with the Star Wars comparison. You know, in regards to not just Rogue One but like in in the original Star Wars films, you know, there is a lot going on, but just from watching those films you get the idea that a lot's happened before now. We we ha a lot happened to get us to the point where the empire is controlling the galaxy and we got to overthrow true. it. There's a lot's going on, and then we get the prequel trilogy, and it explains all that. It explains, like, yeah, everything was better, but then we screwed up, and there was some bad stuff happened, and here we are. It fills in those – like, this could serve a similar purpose in regards to, you know, kind of setting things up and kind of giving us, you know, like, okay, this is where things were. Maybe it was a better time. Maybe it was a worse time. Maybe we're – maybe it'll add even more kind of – drama to those films because we're like okay they've been dealing with this problem for a long time what frodo does getting rid of the ring and, and finally defeating sauron is an even bigger deal than we realized that they were fighting for this for so hard for so long and it finally happened so you know i, I think there's a lot of possibilities here there's a lot of really interesting stuff they could do here 
and just adding to this universe and doing it in its own way. And I'm curious how they'll do it being a series. It's not just going to be like three films and it's done. How can they stretch this out? How can they kind of keep it going and still kind of lead up to something like you're saying and still feel like it's not just stringing it along for a TV series. It's actually telling a, a really tight, interesting, important story for this universe. I, I think there's a lot of potential for this series. And that's why I'm so hoping and crossing my fingers and toes that it doesn't like disappoint because there's been a lot of hype. There's been a lot of discussion. There's been a lot of reports. There's been a lot of, you know, exploration and exposition and, and speculation. And the, the Lord of the Rings fandom is a very unique one because they will sit and talk things out like the council does in the fellowship of the ring. You know what I mean? Like, they love to engage in discussions of the lore and referencing the Cimmerillion whenever they can. Like, it's a very intellectual group that loves its franchise so, so much. Like, deeply loves it. And I'm just hoping for their sake that this series delivers what they're hoping for. Because The Hobbit probably didn't deliver what they were hoping for. But I think this show definitely has the potential to continue that world building, to expand upon the lore in a proper fashion, and to give them adventures that are extremely reminiscent of the books and the movies, while also giving it its own direction and taking it someplace that it's never been before. There's there's a lot of potential for this series, and I'm I'm just keeping my fingers crossed, like I said, hoping that they go the way that that they hope it does because I for one would like to keep my Amazon prime subscription, not, not just for the cheesy B horror flicks that I watch, but maybe for a decent show as well. Right. Right. So, you know, this could be, yeah, it may not be as good as we want it to be, but, but it sounds like they're, they're taking care to kind of like, and it won't be like, it won't be a hobbit situation because the whole situation with the hobbit people keep going on about and, and maybe rightfully so is like they took a story that was relatively short and stretched it out over three films and had to do a lot with it whereas they're kind of free to do whatever they want they can just like okay here's the universe and let's just tell a good story we don't have to fit within any kind of parameters and we've got a lot to deal with and obviously it's in the past so we had to you know tread lightly but still we can do whatever as long as it's fitting in with the current canon and leading up to the original film. So like there's a lot they could do here. There's a lot that could be really good. And, you know, as we've seen previously, like TV format really served these kind of storytelling. Well, well, like I said, there are a couple of producers and directors that previously worked on game of Thrones. Yeah. They're able to take that experience and that type of world building and storytelling and apply it to the Lord of the Rings universe. Then I think it's going to be just fine. Oh yeah, absolutely. So I'm I'm definitely looking forward to this. I know a lot of people are looking forward to this. I know a certain a certain Jake Damon and maybe even both Damon brothers are very much looking forward to this. We'll definitely love to hear their thoughts on that. Oh, well, dude, when when the first episode drops, we need to have one, if not both, of them on, and we need to use our old school Lord of the Rings intro. That we- yes. This 
He's the Intergalactic Peace Coalition, precious. I still love that so much. Oh, that that one gives me chills. It gives me it gives me literal chills. I love it so much. So yeah, oh, look, looking forward to that whenever it happens. And then the last few tidbits that we've got are pretty pretty interesting. Um, I kind of want to finish with the video game discussions. I feel like those are going to be the best discussions yeah, 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 yeah. the evening. So let, let's jump down just a little bit in the show notes to talk about how um, in between doing the cuts for the Suicide Squad and writing the script for Guardians 3, James Gunn is also working on another project, a HBO Max original starring John Cena called Peacemaker. Going to make an appearance in the Suicide Squad. We don't know to what degree, but it's safe to assume that unless this is a prequel, he's getting his own spinoff show following the events of the Suicide Squad. And I don't know about you, I've never really seen John Cena as like a really great actor. As far as former wrestlers go, I think the best former wrestler turned actor is The Rock. But apparently John Cena put in a strong enough performance as the Peacemaker that He's getting his own spin-off show about it now. Yeah, and see, we we heard about I think we heard some rumblings about this uh, a few months ago, maybe back when they were first kind of like talking about the Suicide Squad. What I didn't realize is that like James Gunn is writing this. Like I didn't know he was that like too involved. So like I'm very excited to see like what this is going to be all about, like what Peacemaker is going to be all about. Obviously, they believe in this character fairly well in order to kind of go full on into this and you know devote an entire series to him and you know he's supposed to be like this like kind of gray area captain america for lack of a better term like Mm -hmm. so like what could that entail and what john cena is gonna do with it i think is very interesting And, and having james gunn involved in such a way in writing all the episodes has me totally intrigued here's here's the post that he put on his instagram he's it's kind of funny this show was created because of covid he says uh five months ago while quarantining i was almost done editing the suicide squad and had just turned in a draft of guardians of the galaxy volume three and was awaiting notes normally i would try and take a break during this time and go on vacation but with covid that wasn't happening so having nothing else to do I started writing a TV series, mostly for fun, as I didn't believe it was ever going to happen. I wrote a whole first season in eight weeks. <laughs> and now How do you here do I... that? That's just crazy. And now here I am in my trailer on the first day of shooting. Life is surreal. Let's go and go safely. Eight weeks! I don't I don't know how many episodes that is. You know, most TV series uh, that are on streaming services are somewhere between 8 and 12, maybe 13 episodes. So, I mean, you're writing a whole show in 2 months. That's, that's insane. That's just crazy. Just that's that's what that's what just bugs me so badly. These people they're just uber talented. They're like, oh, yeah, I was stuck at home for quarantine, and I wrote a freaking TV show. And I'm like, I stayed at home in quarantine, and I got fat. <laughs> it's 
too relatable. Stop it. <laughs> That's what I got. That's what I did. Hey. <laughs> you know hey, what I got? James Gunn. <laughs> you know what I got? Three new cavities from all the sugar I was eating. <laughs> James Gunn pounded out a freaking, you know, eight, ten episode TV show. I pounded down too many M&Ms. Right. <sighs> but yeah, I am totally envious and also excited for James Gunn. Because um, he grew up a while back where he thought, well, I thought he was going to get it canceled, that he wasn't going to get to do anything anymore. And then uh, now he's back and he's doing Marvel and DC. He's crossing over. He's got his TV show now. He's getting the, the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special, like all kinds of stuff. And I couldn't be happier for him. Like that. That his works, the stuff that he's been doing, especially with with Guardians, is like some of the most entertaining stuff I've seen on the on the screen recently. And the fact that we're going to get more of it is just super exciting to me. So I'm not the biggest fan of John Cena, but I am a fan of James Gunn and his work. And so if he is behind it and he's the one that is writing and producing and directing it and all that sort of stuff, then. Yeah, I'm definitely going to be watching the Suicide Squad, and I'm going to be paying special attention to the Peacemaker to see why he warrants getting his own show. You know, I'm telling you, I am. Yeah, so uh, I'm already looking forward to the the, the Suicide Squad, but now it's going to be interesting. Going to be a lot more interesting. You know what I'm looking forward to the most about the Suicide Squad is the fact that this version is going to be rated R, as mm-hmm. opposed to PG-13 like the previous one was, and the soundtrack. I I love watching James Gunn movies to listen to the music that he selects. You know, his affinity for 70s classic rock and, you know, stuff that's just a little before and a little after is right in my wheelhouse. And so when when he starts playing things like Come and Get Your Love or when he's playing Come a Little Bit Closer, you know, that stuff, it just, it tugs at my heartstrings. And... I'm really curious to see what he does with Suicide Squad and what he does with Guardians 3 and, you know, what he could end up including in in the holiday special and in Peacemaker and all these other things. Like, it's the music is one of the things I'm looking forward to the most. Yeah, and, and you know, he he's talked about it on Twitter, how, like, he selects the music like as he's writing like it's mm. involved in the plot of the movie and you watch guardians of the galaxy like it makes complete sense like he it's it's definitely so personal to him and that's why it comes across so personal and heartfelt in the films so you know i'm looking forward to suicide squad because it'll be something different but also fully expecting it to have the james gunn guardians type of vibe to it It'll be different, but it'll be a lot the same, too, I'm assuming. Different, but the same. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Okay, these last two pieces of news that we've got here are both about classic franchises, and they're both in regards to video games, but they're coming from two different producers. And I did a little bit of research just so that we had a, like a premise or a precedent for what these companies have done previously, because it was announced earlier this week that Bethesda is working on an Indiana Jones 
video game, which, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think the last time we got an Indiana Jones game, it was Lego Indiana Jones. I think so. There was another one that I think came along that wasn't nearly as good as they wanted it to be a while back, but they really haven't had that many Indiana Jones video games over the past little while, and this is coming from uh, Lucasfilm Games and Bethesda, and the big the big thing here especially when it goes in regards to Star Wars, is that Lucasfilm is kind of branching out. They don't have the exclusivity agreement with EA anymore, apparently. So, like, they're going out to different studios, and I guess that means that going outside of Star Wars, too. And they just released a small little teaser. Didn't say anything. Just released this little, you know, 10-second teaser no and just, broke the just, internet. Just a, just a little, little panning shot across a desk, and at the very end of the desk, there's a whip that gets picked up. Like, that's all it was. And that was enough to be like, ah! So good. And it's it's amazing there hasn't been more Indiana Jones games. Because Indiana Jones, it's the best, like, he's a perfect video game character. It avails like, itself on. so many great moments from the movies and independent adventures that he goes on as an archaeologist. Like, it, it sets itself up, like you said, so incredibly well for excellent video game content and it's just now getting made and what better timing for all of this than with the announcement of the new indiana jones movie that's set to happen in the next couple of years you know this game could either tie into it or be completely separate but it's enough to remind people of how epic indiana jones is and gives them reason to get excited for the movie that's being made as well so it's almost like a double marketing ploy you get people into this, the franchise from the video games perspective, but it also keeps the name pertinent and relevant long enough for people to continue to anticipate the movie while it's in pre-production. Right, right. You know, we're going to get some really good Indiana Jones content over the next few years. So uh, very, very exciting. And just having Lucasfilm working on stuff, as much as I love Star Wars, like having them working on stuff outside of Star Wars is fantastic. Well, and, and Indiana and, Jones is great. And Bethesda has a really great resume. I know that neither of us are super big gamers, but I recognize every one of these games that I put on their little resume here. They've done the Dishonored franchise. Yep. They've done the Doom franchise, the Fallout franchise. I know the new Fallout game hasn't received a whole lot of popularity, but 2015's Fallout 4 is one of the most in-depth games that I've ever played. And I didn't even play it all that much. But Fallout 4 is a fantastic game. And then they've done all of the Elder Scrolls games. And that includes Skyrim. And Skyrim is one of the most immersive open-world games that you could possibly play. I've had friends tell me that they have done more with the side quests than they have the actual story. Wow. Because there's just so much you can do in Skyrim. It's like getting lost in another world. Somebody that I know told me once that they basically made a living off of the side quests to the point that they like built a house and and like gained property and livestock, got a wife, got a dog, and basically just continued playing until they became like the most powerful person in the game because of all of the property and livestock that they owned. 
And that yeah. that's not even that's not even the point of the game. You're not even that's not how you play the game. But they did it anyways, and it just it just turned into something completely different. So you can go on these types of adventures. You can go and explore the world through the way Bethesda creates their games. And if it's going to have the intensity of Doom and the the depth of Fallout and the the world building of Skyrim, like Bethesda's got the resume to make Indiana Jones a fantastic video game, however they want to play it out. Oh, yeah. Yeah, this is a really fantastic developer and a lot of great just, you know, whatever. Like, you, there's so many opportunities here to make this really awesome. And, you know, just based on the few video games I've, I've played of Indiana Jones, including Lego, which is one of the best Lego games, in my it's humble classic. opinion. It it's so classic. good. The, the if they can thing, somehow make it like that, it'd be great. The only thing I resent is that I played Lego Indiana Jones on the Wii, and I hated Wii video game controllers. <laughs> trying to use like the two-handle joystick and move things around it was a pain in the butt and it's not i, the, I not the most user-friendly it really wasn't and that's the one thing i resent because i loved the game itself maybe i need to go find it for my xbox 360 now that i've got a 360 but i mean i've been playing lego jurassic park on my xbox one that's really fun because it's even got the new Jurassic World games on it, too. Oh, yeah. At least, at least the first one. I think there may be a DLC for Fallen Kingdom. I don't know. Um, but then I also found Lego Lord of the Rings for the 360. And you can bet your ass that I am buying the Skywalker Saga Lego Star Wars. Oh, yeah. Out. Like to have all of those movies and the new expansions and new characters, like to have all of that in one game, you won't see me for weeks once that comes out. I guarantee <laughs> it. That's that's quarantine right there. That's the real quarantine. Mm -hmm. And speaking of Star Wars, this is one of our last topics of the evening. An open world Star Wars game yeah. from Ubisoft and Lucasfilm Games is in the works and i don't know about you but open world games can tend to present a challenge sometimes depending on how it's executed but if it's set in the star wars universe like i don't know about you but i wouldn't want it to be limited to just one world you know yeah, yeah. star wars avails itself to space travel and I would really be interested in seeing how how open this world is, because I would really want to see them be able to go between three or four different planets, if possible. Or 20. Or, you know, 5,000 or however many are in the galaxy. Like, why not? Like, just keep building DLCs where you can go from one planet to the next as you develop them, Ubisoft. Like, who cares? Just Just keep pumping them out. But... Here's the deal. Ubisoft is the company that has done games like the Far Cry franchise, the Watchdog franchise, Tom Clancy's The Division, which has been really po uh, popular the last few years. And then they've done the entire Assassin's Creed franchise since the early 2000s. And right. I've watched my buddy Mondo 
play Assassin's Creed Valhalla, he's he's a really hardcore gamer. Okay, he's he's one of those guys that will just play video games constantly. If that was a job, he would be working it guaranteed. <laughs> he said that he was playing Valhalla every night when he got home from work for like two weeks. And he only got to like 50% completed of the game. Whoa. Like barely 50%. Gosh. So Assassin's Creed Valhalla is really, really in-depth. I love the graphics that, that, that I've seen from it. He just also got the new Xbox game system. Like, what, do you, what is it, the Series X or something like that? He yeah. just He just got the brand new Xbox. So it's got updated resolution and gameplay and stuff like that. And it is super clear, like crystal clear. And the the gameplay, the motion, the movements, the actions that you can take, the the hearkenings that it makes to previous games that he was pointing out to me, super, super in-depth. And so if it's able to do that kind of depth and storytelling in the Star Wars universe, then once again this game is going to be in good hands in the hands of Ubisoft. Yeah, that's there's so many possibilities with this. Like, you know, like Jedi Fallen Order from what I've seen is fairly, you know, it's fairly open world but it's still kind of like you're on rails whatever, you kind of go where the game is taking you. Having <laughs> a true like open world experience where you just put in the game and just go wherever you want. And just do whatever you want, a la, you know, look at Red Dead Redemption, look at gay, uh, you know, Grand Theft Auto, like anything just in the, the vicinity of that with Star Wars would be phenomenal. Like, even if you had like, you know, five planets, like, can you imagine being able to just get in your starship and just go to Tatooine and then you go hang out at the Gantino or maybe you steal a speeder, or maybe you do this, like anything. Like, I'm not saying, you know, that, you know, they are going to do that, but there's definitely a precedent of, like, what could possibly be in this and just making you feel like you're in Star Wars more than anything else. So here's the uh, official press release from StarWars.com. Going to go about halfway into the article here. It says, it's a genre long requested by fans and will come to life via Massive Entertainment, which is Ubisoft's critically acclaimed studio based in Sweden. We're really excited about an opportunity to work with the team at Massive, led by David Polfelt and the creative director, Julian Garrity. We've spent almost a year now working to get to know them and what they want to bring to the table, says Riley. I'm a huge fan of them personally, and I think we're really excited about where the project is going because they have a unique vision for the story and the game they want to deliver. Da, 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 da. Old friends are sticking around, they say. Continuing the relationship that resulted in the reinvigorated Battlefront series, the critically acclaimed Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order, and multiplayer hit Star Wars Squadrons, EA will too play a big role in the future of Star Wars gaming. We're really proud of the games we've created with EA, Riley says. We will continue working with them, and our relationship has never been stronger. While we may not have a lot of details to share at the moment, we've got a number of projects underway with the talented teams at EA. So yeah, the exclusivity has definitely been broken because you've got stuff 
in collaboration with Bethesda and Ubisoft, but we can also expect stuff from EA as well at some point down the line. They did say towards the top of the press release that this is going to be a story-driven open-world game, so I have a feeling that there will still be a story, there will still be quests, there will still be things for the character to accomplish, much like Assassin's Creed, but I don't think it's going to be as much of a linear storytelling method quite like Fallen Order had been. So you'll have different places on the map that you can go to. You'll probably have different side quests that you can go on. I'm basically seeing this, and I could be completely wrong, but just by the interpretation that I'm seeing here, this almost sounds like a Star Wars Assassin's Creed. Yeah, you're, you, could be, you could be right on the money there. Like, you know, having this thing where, you know, you, you have an open world. You can basically do whatever, but you still have, like, an objective. You still need to go right. over here and do this. But you can also go over here and do this side quest. You can also do this and do that and do this for this person. And, you know, it's all about, you know, even though the game is guiding you and, and making you do certain things, you know, ultimately it, it, may, it feels like a real world because you don't have to. You can kind of just run around and do whatever you want. And the the cool thing that I've seen in its limited capacity from Valhalla is you can take the story different directions and the AI adapts to the decisions that you make. So the way Mondo's playing, the your character has a, a brother that is also like one of the co-leaders of your tribe. And you have an option of trying to pursue something romantically with your brother's wife. Yeah. And if you choose to do that, then the story goes in a different direction that leads to, you know, brother against brother and sedition and cheating and backstabbing and stuff like that. Or you could have a piece of the storyline that is very loyalty driven because they're brothers forever to the end, blah, 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 that kind of thing. And he chose to pursue the wife. And one of the scenes that he showed me was after he converted another village to his cause, he went back and celebrated by having a little nookie nookie with the with the sister-in-law like, <laughs> like that's that's part of the game you 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 go celebrate your accomplishments by sleeping with your brother's wife in the video game and i'm just like what the hell so long story short there are there are consequences and counter consequences for the decisions that you make in the game and i think that is one of the things that i'd be most interested in exploring is you know what what kind of decisions can you make in this game and what are the ensuing consequences based on those decisions that you make for your character all right well um i'll be honest with you guys we're having technical difficulties here all right so we're just gonna wrap up the show (laughs) now the internet's just giving us problems, so uh, I think we said everything we need to say about the video games, stuff like that. Um, so, uh, without further ado, we have Core of the Night. I think, I think, I don't know for sure. I think it might be something from WandaVision. Not quite sure. Um, this will be future me deciding what it's going to be, I think. Ooh. So it'll be a mystery. You're just going to hear it, and it'll happen. It may not be WandaVision. Maybe something else. You just got to stick around and find out. Time travel. Time travel. Time travel. Multiverse madness. 
um, I, I'm sounding uh, a bit crazy myself um, doing this because, uh, like, we've had to restart the call like five times already. So, yeah, it's gotten a little, a little hectic around here, all right? So we're just going to try to get this done while we still can, and we're still on the air. So without further ado, listen to whatever hell the quote of the night is tonight. <laughs> oh, you don't go out Friday night. Don't go back. You just put on your coat and here are those computational forms that you requested, Norm. There you go. Gee, Willikers, that was fast. Hey, the music isn't bothering you, is it, pal? In terms of distraction from work or the largely nonsensical nature of the lyrics? <laughs> the first one. Ah, no, thank you. Hey, is there something I can help you with, buddy? Yes, as a matter of fact, there is. Would you be so good as to tell me what it is we... Do here exactly? <laughs> do we make something? No. Right. Do we buy or sell something? No and no. Then what is the purpose of this company? All I know is since you've gotten here, productivity has gone up three hundred percent. Yes, but what is it we're producing? Computational forms, and no one can process the data quite like you do, pal. You're like a walking computer. What? I most certainly am not. I'm a regular carbon-based employee made entirely of organic matter, much like yourself. No. Hey, what's got your feathers all ruffled? Yes, I'm sorry. I'm a tad on edge. You see, it appears there's something special about today, special to Wanda, that's my wife, and... Gee, I can't for the life of me recall what it is. Hmm. Thanks again, Mr. Hart. Good to see you. Vision! Yes, Wife and I are looking forward to this evening. Mr. Hart, of course. Dinner with Mr. Hart and his dear lady wife, Mrs. Hart. Yes, that's what I just said. What's wrong with you, son? Have you got a screw loose? Oh, no, sir. The screws all tightened, sir. Well, I should hope so. Employee dinners are a rite of passage for the new hire. Ah. Jones over there failed miserably. Isn't that right, Jones? The wife thought five courses would be sufficient. And there was that paltry excuse for entertainment. A string quartet? And then you had that embarrassing display of beatnik enthusiasm. I wore a turtleneck. <laughs> yes, best of luck out there in the unemployment line, Jones. You know, I owe my success to being a keen judge of character. No skeletons in your closet, eh, Vision? I don't have a skeleton, sir. Glad to hear it. Your future in this company depends on it. And wasn't that a swell quote of the night? That was a fantastic quote. It was so amazing and absolutely quote worthy. I mean, that was just a great quote. I love that quote. And that was a perfect choice for that the quote. quote that quote was the best quote in the history of quotes. That was a great you quote. You can quote me on that. That was, oh God. <laughs> Can't do this. Wow. Leave it to, to Ben to be the one that's got the puns for for this week i must really be slipping or getting tired or something i don't know but we got another segment to get to before we run out of internet bandwidth so get out your hashtags folk put it in social media put it in the chat if you're listening live it's time for another interesting edition of hashtag barbecue watch barbecue 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 Barbecue, 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 
barbecue. Watch. All right, so so I've heard you have a little story time for us, don't you? I do, I do. And and this goes back to a place that I've talked about previously. It's here in my hometown. I only discovered it not too long ago, but every time that I've gone, they have not disappointed. A little on the expensive side, but so worth it. It's a place called Hurtado Barbecue. And I got to try a little bit of new stuff that they've got. I was on the tail end of their lunch rush, and they actually ran out of, like, four or five things by the time I got there at, like, 2.30, <laughs> oh, wow. 2.45. Like, this place is super popular, man. If you want to have their full menu, you got to be there when they open at 11 a.m. That's just how it works. Wow. And we, my, my coworker and I went there for lunch at, like, 2.30, 2.45, and we got the El Jefe platter, which is like their most popular thing to get because it's like a sampler platter of all their different meats. And um, on the on the tail end of it, we were eating inside and I looked across from my table and they had like a swag shop. Of stuff that was themed after Hurtado barbecue. So not only did I get a great meal, but I went across the room and got myself a really great hat, too. And if you know me, you know that I am a collector of hats. Oh, yeah. Like, like hats are a big deal for me. But it made me think about how we have our own little bit of barbecue apparel with the BBQ Watch shirt that we've got on Tee Public, And it made me think about how I could take that barbecue hat with my barbecue Watch shirt and I could just go around sporting barbecue all day long if i wanted to in fact i may do that tomorrow i don't know <laughs> but um i love the idea of being able to represent your brand outside of you know sauce stains on your t-shirt you know if you right. if you got a logo put it on a sticker put it on a hat put it on a t-shirt and and get your name out there because the more people see it, the more people will talk about it and want to go and, and have it. And branding is just a, a classic marketing ploy to be able to, to get yourself out there to people who haven't heard of you before. And now that I've got this Hurtado hat, I'm going to wear it to work as often as I can. And I'm going to be sporting my favorite barbecue brand wherever the Dallas-Fort Worth area takes me. I might be in Dallas one day. I might be in Fort Worth another day. I could be in Wichita Falls another day, which is like two and a half, three hours away. And, you know, wherever I go, I'll be showing off the the pride of my hometown, which is Hurtado Barbecue. Wow, that is amazing. That sounds so good. Oh, dude, the next time you're in the Dallas area, let me know, because... Uh, as, as much as it shames me to admit it, like this place is is rivaling your family's place for my favorite barbecue ever. That and, is very intriguing. It, well, okay, here's the other problem: I haven't been to y'all's place in five years. It's been a while. And last time I had Rob's BBQ on the side was 2015, and it's been it's been over five years. It's been so, too long. 
entirely too long. And we're working on rectifying that. Mondo and I are planning a road trip out to Mississippi sometime either this year or early next year or something. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so we're, we're working on fixing that. But with Hurtado being like 15, 20 minutes away, their, uh, their accessibility is really what's getting to me. Like they're a little, they're a little too accessible now, but anybody that's listening to this, if you come to the Dallas Fort Worth area, hit me up and we will go to Hurtado. I promise you. Hell yeah. Cause I keep posting pictures in the peacekeeper core Facebook chat and people are like, Oh my gosh, what all is that? And I'm like, it is this, it is this, it is this. And it only costs $35. And they're like, <laughs> so. Oh y'all, y'all let me know when you're in town and I will take you to Hurtado to get some of the best BBQ and BBQ apparel in the area. Yeah, yeah, that sounds amazing. Sounds fantastic. It really is. It's so much fun. And this was a really fun episode. Thank you to everybody who tuned in to our newsreel. We've got several brand new discussions on the horizon so be sure to tune into all of that but in the meantime find us on social media on facebook twitter and instagram at ipc podcast uh you can find the ripc which we alluded to earlier on phantom empire hopefully we'll bring some new episodes into the fold with that you can find previous episodes of this show on starwarsunderworld.com google Podcasts, apple Podcasts, and our main hosting site ipcpodcast.podbean.com if you want to follow me personally, you can do that at Zach the Voice on Twitter. That's where I'm most active, Z-A-C-H the Voice. You can also find Zach.TheVoice on Instagram, but mainly just hit up the IPC podcast because that's where you'll get in touch with me the quickest. Ben, where can the folks at home keep up with you if they want to find out about your crazy stuff? Um, They can find me at Ben Hart with no E on Facebook, Instagram, and the Twitter, and uh, you can also find me at the SWU for the Star Wars Underworld, weekly Star Wars-themed shows and Star Wars news and Star Wars everything. And also at Culture Slate, doing a lot of uh, interesting, awesome things over there. Also, I'll just put it out there, if you want to get involved with an up-and-coming uh big thing it doesn't matter if you want to write do social media whatever go check out culture site go go sign up because we're looking for new people and uh it's a, it's a big thing happening and we need recruits for some doing some awesome stuff so go check that out and uh yeah this has been an amazing show cannot wait for next week speaking of big things i've got a couple of big things that i'm working on as far as some side hustles are concerned so Be sure to be tuned in in the next couple of weeks for announcements on that. But I think that is going to do it for this week's episode of the Intergalactic Peace Coalition. Episode number 314 is now officially wrapped up in the books. For Ben Hart, I'm Zach Arnold. Thanks for tuning in. We hope you'll tune in next week. But until that time comes around, we're just going to leave you with this final thought. Arrogance diminishes wisdom. We hope that you make the wise choice and join us next week right here on IPC. But until then, good night, everyone. Take out the papers and the trash.
Army Hammer should be the barbecue watch. Sorry, you caught me while I'm muted. Hell no! <laughs> or hell yes. I don't know. I don't know. No, 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 no. I've heard, like, the Cliff Notes version of that story, and I'm like, uh, nope, 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 nope. Uh, yeah, that's not even, that's not even a kink. That's, that's just straight up Draculaism. It's just weird. Cannibalism is not a fetish. That That's bad. That's bad. That's a, that's it's not a fetish. It's a mental illness. There is a difference. <sighs> it crosses the line between not hurting anyone, all right? If you're doing something and it's only affecting you, that's fine, all right? No judgment. But if you cross that line and you want to eat me, that's where we draw the line. Yeah, if Army Hammer says that he wants to have me for dinner, I'm running the other direction. <laughs> I don't care how hot he is. I don't want him to eat my ass. Oh, it's not even ass that he wants to eat. Apparently not. Let's not. <laughs> oh, God. Why are we having this conversation? <laughs> You're welcome, Stephen. This is one of the best pre-shows we've had in a long time. <laughs> oh, my God.